Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it will help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. The first reading is from the first book of Kings, chapter 19. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Here ends the reading. We will now read Psalm 34 responsibly. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Our second reading is from the book of Ephesians. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, 
a pleasing aroma to God. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Jesus said to the crowd, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the father who sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the Gospel of the Lord. So it's good to be back here with you guys. Hello. (laughs) Um, That sounds a little loud to me. Is that a little loud? Yeah, great. I'm not in charge of that. (laughs) Uh, I feel like I should ask you how your summers have been. How have your summers been? Good, busy. Thumbs up, short. What else? Did we... Double thumbs up that were close to the chest. That reads interestingly. Um, what else? Where, did anybody go anywhere? Did you do anything cool? Not yet. Hot. It's hot. Was where I was too. Really? You guys didn't do anything this summer? Houston. There were some people in pink shirts. Went to Houston. You went to Disney World. I went to Disney World too. New York City. Lutheridge? Africa. Africa. Wait a minute. Mount Rainier? That's right. You did like a, like a marathon thing around the mountain. Guatemala. Nice. Oh, my gosh. That's cool. What did, what did Good Shepherd do? Anything? Like, I literally don't know. I haven't been here for three months. What's, what's going on? <laughs> Camp Luther? VBS? VBS, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, like, you guys did a bunch of stuff. I know that it's weird because I'm just standing here talking to you. It's, it's cool. I, I trust you that you did interesting things with your summer. Um, my next question, though, is how did you change over the summer? Didn't? Got older. Got older. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair. That's, that's accurate. <laughs> That's a hard question, isn't it? How did you change over the summer? Yeah, I, um, I think I can answer that question. Um, I mean, I did just take sabbatical, so hopefully something changed. Um, it's interesting how summer is different as an adult than it is when you're a kid. Um, when you get out of school as a kid, it's like three months is just forever. It's infinite possibility. And as adults, summer is about the same as not summer. <laughs> just hotter. Uh, it's different for me since returning from the sabbatical. A whole bunch of people have asked me what I've been up to. Pretty much everybody I've talked to has said, you look so rested. 
what did I look like before? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I will tell you that I've been up to rest and recalibration. So if you feel like maybe spiritually you want to take yourself apart and clean all the bits and put them back together again, that's what I did <laughs> this summer. I also feel like I should lay my cards on the table and say that I'm excited for the next few years of ministry at UC and with you. I love this job, and I'm not leaving anytime soon. Good with that? Okay, great. Some people worry. (laughs) This summer, I've been weeding, like all the things. I haven't really focused on the garden at my house for a few years, and so even though there is structure there, and there are a lot of beautiful flowers that were already planted, the weeds have settled in for the long haul. So you know, you know those ones that you pull up and you, every time you try to do it, you just get the top off? And you know that there's a root lurking down there somewhere, biding its time, getting bigger. Those ones. I dug those ones up. I weeded my backyard flower beds. I redug my vegetable garden and replanted it. I removed five overgrown bushes from the front of my house. I pulled out piles of English ivy and poison ivy. I turned my compost, I was attacked by my rose bushes. Side note, did you know that they're carnivorous? Not even kidding. (laughs) Biologically, they're carnivorous. Anyway, it's all hot, sweaty work. And I imagine that maybe there's some of you who are listening for whom that sounds like torture. Or you're wondering how this is restful. Sounds like work. I love it. When the soil is just moist enough that you can pull the roots up easily, or that moment when you've been struggling with one of those stupid big roots, and it releases and you go, yes! Am I the only one who does that? I so do that every time. It makes me feel like I could do anything. I also find weeding to be extraordinarily meditative. It's just me in the dirt, thinking my thoughts. And you know I'm an intense and immediate kind of person, So taking the time to breathe and just be out there in creation is a gift. One of my favorite things to do was just sit out on a bench and appreciate my garden for what it was. Partially weeded, blooming, shady, a work in progress. So you know I'm not just talking about plants here in church. Talking about our souls. There are plants in all of our gardens are ways of being that never should have been planted and which, once rooted, are almost impossible to remove. English ivy and xenophobia, wild violets in the lawn, and greed, false indigo and anger. We could all do with a little weeding, right? So this summer, I worked on my interior garden reshaping my edges, pulling out things that take up resources but don't give back, fertilizing things that bear fruit and flowers. Anybody else do that kind of work this summer inside? Maybe you didn't know you were doing it. (laughs) I said back in the spring that sabbatical isn't just for the one taking it, it's for the whole community. We all need to rest and look at our lives from a wider angle. Resting from our labors, the farmers call that fallow time, is also about discernment. It's the, the so what question that I sometimes bring up. And it's not so what in a, like a rude, grumpy kind of way. It's this is what our lives look like. This is what the world looks like. So what? What's the next good thing that God is calling us to? 
What do we do with this one wild life we have? Three days into sabbatical, my husband Leighton and I were in the kitchen laughing about something, and he said to me, oh, there she is. Like, I've been living in the shadow of a huge branch that just been pruned. It wasn't an accusation from my loving husband. He wasn't shaking his finger at me. It was just an awareness. And I thought, where have I been? Where have you been? What branches are shading you from the light of community and of connection with God? What's keeping Good Shepherd as a whole in the shade? This reading from the letter of the Ephesians seems to be a laundry list of things to do to make our garden flourish. The writer, though, is intent less on an accusation to Ephesus and more about reminding them. You're part of the same body. This metaphor I keep using, you're part of the same garden. You're not separate from each other. And they're not going to be perfect. They and we are not going to live up to the standards that the writer of the Ephesians leaves out for us. Be angry, but do not sin. How do I do that? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Forgive one another. I mean, sometimes, yeah, I'm into it. Not always. Not as much as we want. But it's not a demand. It's not an ultimatum. It's a plea or even an invitation. Come over here. Walk in love, the writer says, as Christ loved us. Some translate that live in love. It's about your motivation, your ground of being. Because for the ancient Jews, walking with God meant faithfulness. Not perfection. Faithfulness. Attention. Intention. And not in the road to hell is paved with them kind of way. Not bless your heart. Walking in love is a way of being that doesn't rule out mistakes doesn't rule out that we're going to hurt each other. Walking in love is about the art of attention. What do you give your attention to? What is good in your inner garden for building up? So I came back briefly this summer for Judy Herman's funeral. And I sat up in the corner of the balcony. And I sang and listened and wept. I had a moment during that service... Maybe because I'd come directly from my garden. Maybe because I hadn't seen y'all for a while. Maybe because God just knew I needed a little push. When I saw the transcendent. Maybe it was a vision. I don't know. It's something I've experienced before, not very often. I felt some of the, the vestiges of it also at Mark Townsend's funeral. I looked around at all the beautiful people here filling these pews. All the people who've come to my classes, who've cooked for Dosh, who work for Habitat or Taft, who just show up on a Sunday. People who have been frustrated with me for things I've said. People who've been frustrated with each other for whatever reason. People who've struggled with addiction or self-righteousness or depression. All these beautiful people and for the briefest moment, so brief, it felt like the deepest water. A moment of sudden love and connection to everybody in this room, whether any of you were in the room or not, if you get what I'm saying. This whole beautiful 
group of people. And then expanded beyond this room for just, just a brief second, a span of time I can't even describe. And suddenly it was including the whole church. Traditional, progressive, evangelical, Pentecostal, American, African, past, and future. I saw for just a moment the great cloud of witnesses that Paul talks about. And I felt it in my body. And indeed, it was very good. It was unapologetically a kumbaya moment. (laughs) We will sin against each other again. We will deny our own needs and the needs of others. We will allow our vision to be clouded with partisanship and fears of scarcity. We're not perfect. We are perfectly suited to love. I am aware of the trite endings of things like Harry Potter, where the big twist at the end is that love saves the day. Spoilers. (laughs) But it doesn't always. The absolute love of God is absolute, and it doesn't protect us from everything. Bad things still happen to presumably good people. But love allows us to live with those things. It's what encourages us in the middle of them to keep going. It's what invites us in the face of deplorable situations to look for possibilities. Love, the love that is God, the love that comes from God, is about curiosity. It's about welcome. It's about, my favorite word, spaciousness. There's no outer border to that love. The letter to the Ephesians could be read as a checklist of who's in and who's out, who did it, who didn't. That's such a narrow, unchristlike way to look at it. Just as the flowers in my garden unfurl themselves towards the sun, we're being asked ourselves, unfurl yourself towards God. There's a theologian and mystic named Jim Finley who writes, Let's say you're sitting in prayer and using your breath as the prayer. As you inhale, you listen to God saying, I love you. When you breathe out, you exhale, I love you. You give yourself to the love that gives itself to you. This is not saying you're not in pain, that you are not sad or confused, nor is it saying that you don't need to deal with these things. Instead, we are grounded in the courage that empowers us to touch hurting places. We're part of something bigger than ourselves, bigger than what we can see, whose architecture and purpose is love and relationship. We're going to perpetrate violence of all kinds against each other, yet we are members of one another. We're part of the same garden, leaning like plants toward the sun. So I'm going to leave you with this poem from Dame Julian of Norwich. She was a mystic and a woman of great wisdom and faith, and she died in the year 1416. She wrote, Be a gardener. Dig a ditch. Toil and sweat, and turn the earth upside down, and see the deepness and water the plants in time. Continue this labor, and make sweet floods to run, and noble and abundant fruits to spring. Take this food and drink, and carry it to God as your true worship. May it be so. 
Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.